As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Spike Lee overrated. Should Zion Williamson sit out for the rest of the year? Why do we care about a 10-year-old NBA scandal? The guys get into all that, bring back the best and worst of the week, answer a listener question, talk a little music beef, and more this week on Just Press Play. Titanic was the biggest ship on the ocean, but that didn't mean it was unsinkable. I want you each to use ombudsman in a sentence next week. Uh, I got one for you. My name is Kevin, the official ombudsman. <laughs> you like apples? Here we are back with another edition of the Just Press Play podcast, and we got us. We're all back mm-hmm. for this one. We got LJ and Pops. What's up, guys? Not much. What's, What's up? up? What's up, man? Just a, another day. I got to watch a little bit of. We talked about some award shows recently, and last night was the the big one in in show business in Hollywood. We had the Oscars, and uh, I had a funny little thought. And well, I kind of I saw it on I saw a little bit of this on Twitter, and then I expounded upon it. But have you ever thought about the Oscars? Is just Humans giving little gold humans out to other humans who pretend to be other humans the best. Have you ever thought about that? <laughs> the Oscars is it's, it's I mean, hilarious. I know, but we give out. Well, isn't uh, that what like all like sports? You give out little humans to humans that are trying to, especially like little kid sports. They're like trying to learn how to be humans through baseball. So you give them a little human holding a baseball bat. I think the the conundrum I thought was funny was that we give it to other humans pretending to be other people. I don't know. It was just funny yeah. to me. Did y'all did y'all watch any of the <laughs> Oscars? Funny. Funny. Whoa! <laughs> did y'all yes, watch any yes, of the I Oscars? Like, what you think, pops? No, no. Um, well, I, I was excited for the picture of the year because I've seen it. Many people were not excited about it. it. I'm with you. I did see uh, it. Many people it. were one? not the green uh, green book. Uh, oh, I've heard the it's picture good. of the year. I thoroughly enjoyed it. I think Kevin would say that he did. We saw it together. Um, You know, um, I know a lot of people didn't like it uh, winning, but, but I certainly did. I Hmm. I enjoyed the movie. I really liked it. I liked Mahershala, right? Am I saying that right? Mahershala. You just got to go with confidence. If you would have said it with confidence, I would have just assumed you were right and LJ was wrong, but LJ sounded confident. So now it's got to be Mahershala. Let me look it up. I liked him. I like uh, Viggo uh, Mortensen. I thought his Mahersh- role in there was great. Mahershala. 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 With a her. It's Mahershala. Yeah. I was wrong, by the way. Yeah. But but yeah. he also, you know, apparently beat, and while I'm talking, I'll, I'll bring this up. He beat Spike Lee, you know, the Black Klansman, which I Black do kind of want to see. I'm not sure what the heard it's great. show is about. Uh, I haven't watched it. I haven't seen it yet. But. but let me ask you guys a question about Spike Lee. Spike Lee, to me, and I've not watched all his movies, so let me preface it with that. I've seen probably two. Sure. I think that I don't think he's all he's cracked up to be. I, I, my gut tells me a little bit he gets more attention because of his outlandishness and perhaps because of the color of his skin. I don't know. 
would y'all say is he a great movie maker that I and I'm missing it or what what is well, what I've do you think? I've never seen a Spike Lee movie I didn't love. I mean honestly. Agreed. Really? Okay. Agreed. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. What's an okay Spike Lee movie? Um, gosh, I can't even remember. I know I've seen do, do the Right Thing. I know I've seen that, which I think is one of his better ones. I, I can't think even Do the Right Thing was great, and he was, was way ahead of his time when making it. I mean, that movie was so he relevant ten years, twenty years later. I, I, he got game with Ray Allen, right? I've, I've seen that. It Inside was okay. Man, Denzel Washington. Is that? Now, did he do Man Inside Man? That's up. That, that's yeah. not Spike Lee, though, is it? That's Denzel. Yes, it is. It's a Spike Lee joint. Is it? A lot of. Okay. I, I'm kind of with LJ. I think that when you think about it, and you start going down the list, like. Like most of the most movies that pop up, it's a Spike Lee joint at the beginning are are top or not. I don't know if they're the best movies I've ever seen, but they're really good movies. I enjoy all of them. Well, and that's right. Exactly what I want to ask you. My, my mind, the jury's out in my mind. I just know he is a little outlandish. He does get a lot of attention. His movies were okay to me. I'm going to try some more of his movies. Definitely. Well, we got to, you know, what we got to do as a podcast is we got to do a movie night where, like, once a week we'll watch a movie and then eventually we can answer the question of is Spike Lee overrated? You know what I mean? Like, we need to do that. Okay, I, I think that'd I be agree. Good well, I think I think where you're going, Dad, and I, and I could see this too is uh, Spike Lee gets known. He's known for his movie making, but he's also, you know, the the crazy Nick fan, and then he's on the Thirty for Thirty, and then he's. He does extra stuff, and so you just wonder: is he is he well known because he's a, a very good movie maker, or is he well known oh, because he's, he's an Spike for Lee? Sure. And I think I think it's both. Yeah. He one he is well known because he's Spike Lee, the Nick fan who sparked uh, uh, Reggie Miller in that in that run against the Pacers. But he's also Spike right. Lee, the movie maker who makes really damn good movies. And I, but this then he is also a, like he's got that branding too, where you even if you don't remember the movie, you remember it starting out a Spike Lee joint, which nobody else does. Like he 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 brands himself really well. He stands out yeah. for sure. So yeah, I, I like Spike Lee, and I think I, I like LJ's idea. Speaking of, we talked about Green Book. Did you know Mahershala Ali? Did you realize that he was also a D one point guard at St. Mary's, and he was a, and he was previously a rapper. He went by the name Prince Ali. What? Yeah, I'll put the show notes. Whoa. I found this on YouTube. There's a YouTube video of him as a rapper. And I mean, he's not bad, but he's not great by any means. He's definitely found the right career field for him. But he's not, a, he wasn't well, a bad actor, man. I'm into that dude. And he, and, I would love to see him rap. And he wasn't a bad basketball player either. Like, there was a little highlight clip ESPN put out yesterday. And he's, I mean, he was not bad at all. I think he was a legitimate he basketball player. pretty tall. How tall is he? Do you know? Six he four. He seems like six something. Yeah, and then I, I was. Think he's. I was also reading a story about. Apparently, he used to work out at this. Uh, what he did for working out, because obviously he's a very fit man, and he was a basketball player. But he, what he did was he was a boxer, and I, I don't think he actually was a boxer, boxer. But that's just what he did for fitness. And after trying, after yeah. he won the Oscars, someone was like, "Holy, holy crap! Is that that guy's famous?" So apparently, he was going to this boxing ring, and <laughs> just, it's so typical because you see him, and he doesn't. He doesn't seem like someone who's like real big and boastful or anything. He was just going there and working out. Mm-hmm. And these people didn't realize that he was a famous yeah. actor. He was just, to them, he was just another guy. I don't, he seems really cool. And then Sunday. Same way at your gym, they don't recognize that you're the ombudsman of the gym. Exactly. Not yet. They don't even. Not yet. They don't yeah, even know. Right. That, that. Similar kind of thing. Yeah, similar thing. Cause it's because yeah. it's it's <laughs> my humility, really. Why you're on rehearsal, though. <laughs> Is anybody hotter than him right now? Well, that's what I, I was mean, gonna say. Sunday, hot. Sunday night was a hell of a night. I, I haven't got to see it yet. I was planning on watching it after we recorded. I had neither. But I had neither. Don't, True Detective don't, season don't finale was coming out. I bet it. I mean, uh, the season's been great. The lead up was really good, and then he wins. He, but did you notice, Dad? And I, since you said you've seen it, he won Best Supporting Actor at 
I felt like either one of them could have been the supporting or main actor out of. I was shocked by that too because I thought he would. Yeah, they were both lead actors in my mind. I guess Viggo Mortensen was more the lead actor. Did you see who was the guy? Farrelly is it Peter Peter Farrelly Farrelly? I that Farrelly, uh, I think. But it, that did the movie. You know, he uh, he did the movie, and he specifically thanked Viggo Mortensen. He said, "Without Vigo, this movie doesn't happen." Of course, we needed Mahershala, but he singled out Vigo, and Vigo was great in that right. movie. There, no question. Uh, but yeah, so I guess Vigo was the leading actor. Well, and and I, I think Mahershala once was- at, before the Oscars, I would have said he was the main actor. But I was going to maybe ask LJ this turn. I think I've come to an answer, but I want to get someone a little more educated, maybe in the in the thought process. But LJ. What makes which is anybody, but it, yeah, which anyone can speak up, but LJ, <laughs> what makes what makes the lead actor? What what constitutes that? Because they're both on screen a lot. I mean, is it because Vigo was on screen first, or boy, let me uh, let me. I'm I'm looking at the rule right now. If you know the answer, go ahead and tell well, me. Well, my but, thought process the was rule. the reason maybe Vigo would be it, and I don't know if this is like a rule in, in cinematic universe or what, but. That he Vigo had the biggest arc in the movie. He went from the guy who was it showed him and his family, and he was kind of a a bouncer a little bit, right? A little bit. He was racist, and and then you see his growth mm-hmm. as a human toward the end. His family still acts a little racist, and he's like, "Come on, now it's just another human being." And so I think it was his yeah. arc as a character maybe makes him the the main character. But Ali's he's, character was huge in the movie, so it was hard. He, he was, but if you think of it, it starts with Viggo Mortensen, you know, in the club. Anyway, it, it, it is more about him now that you're saying that. It, it. So what I'm finding uh, just for the specific rules is that there's no official, like what is a lead versus a supporting actor that's decided by the Academy, which is oftentimes influenced by people starting campaigns saying like, you know, I think this person deserves best supporting actor or whatever. So you can kind of try to say like, okay, so who's in for best lead actor? Do we want to compete against them? Maybe we want to compete in the best supporting actor, whatever, blah, blah, blah. Cause the goal is to get as many awards for your production right. as possible. But um, as a theater person, I think the answer probably lies mostly in like, who is the quote unquote protagonist. You can usually name in a story who the story is about, like whose perspective we're in, yeah. who we as an audience are supposed to relate to the most. And um, so that might be their consideration, but it also might be, I don't know who was in the lead category. So it might've been a political play to try to make sure that they get whichever awards they can get or something like that. You know, it's, yeah, I guess a lot of the Oscars, uh, there is a part of it. That's just, you want to, nom- you want to try to get your, the, the most awards possible. So if Ollie's yeah. has a better chance at winning supporting, uh, actor over main actor, then yeah, you'd classify him there. Yeah. Oh. Right, right, right. I know. I just know when he won that award, I thought, oh, I guess, I guess he was the support actor. It made me think a little bit because, I mean, either one of them I can M- see. Me too. It it kind of stopped me because I thought it, it's a lot about him. I mean, it's and a, it's, a, it's lot, a lot of people about, uh, were were not very impressed with Green Book winning Best Picture, and I I found that interesting. I, I I'm not a a savant when it comes to movie making, and I I get everything about it <laughs> at all, but. I, it was odd to me to see so many people dislike Green Book. I get, it it was interesting. It seemed like, and I don't know if we it, we want to get into this too much. It seemed like more uh, people of color were not a fan of Green Book as, and it seemed like people white people did like Green Book more than well. Than and not. it might be so. I that you might have. I I haven't seen the movie. I have no idea. But the one thing I know about the Green Book is the actual book. Like I know I, I heard about this thing like three years ago about this book that got created to help people travel in the South. Or, or across the country, but more or less in the South right. that are people of color. And so if, um, 
you know, uh, Viggo Mortensen is the main character of this story about black history. Like I could see why that could ruffle a feather or two. You know what I mean? Like yeah. I could see that upsetting some people. So, um, because that is that story. The one thing about that story is you can't tell it without the black guy, but you can tell it without the white guy. I mean, maybe not that exact story, but like you can talk about this thing without mentioning a white main character, but you can't do it without a black main character. So that might be a reason that people would get frustrated by the story. Well, Either way, it was good. The Oscars were good. I thought it was really cool seeing Lady Gaga and Bradley Cooper uh, perform "Shallow" on on stage. Yeah. By the way, it's Bradley Cooper. He's a good actor. I mean, by all accounts, a very attractive man. And oh, by the way, and he can direct movies. And then oh, by the way, I can sing too. I'm a really good singer too. Well, he's got to have mm-hmm. the flaw. So I was thinking about this. Everybody's got some. Every you can't be great at everything. So like, what is it about Bradley Cooper? He must like stink all the time. I think he has like awful body odor. <laughs> he doesn't trim his toenails. Yeah, I mean, there's something. Got, he doesn't trim his toenails. <laughs> there's some... He's got bad. He has coronacalitosis all the time. <laughs> like I'm thinking, he's just like all the time, just musty as can be. No matter how much deodorant he puts on, there's just a there's just a stink that follows him because he is amazing at everything. He, he was great in the movie. His his performance with Lady, Lady Gaga, by the way. Whew. Not only could she sing, she was beautiful the other night. She had that huge diamond on her on her necklace. That thing was giant. She had a big old rock. Did you see, it was worth. I saw it was worth thirty million dollars. Thirty million. Oh boy! I, wow. Yeah, no. Well, I told you about that diamond that I held. I couldn't even imagine having a thirty million hanging from your neck, in the same building <laughs> as me. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it was wild. But the Oscars were fun, and now everyone can complain for about three days, give or take, and then we'll 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 be over it. But you know, people complain about who didn't and did win, and all this. Shout out to well, you sound like somebody that works in the news industry. You understand? <laughs> it's a cycle. It'll be gone by Wednesday. Just just wait. Just wait. <laughs> so let's transition over to when we we haven't done this in a while. And I kind of want to get back to it. And uh, let's trans- transition to a little bit of best and worst for the week. And I have a, and what I have for my worst, I, I, I was, it was going to be my best and then it could have been the worst. So I'm going to save this one for the worst, but it's a good one. And, uh, but for my best, I'm going to go with, I don't know if you saw this pops, but a, a hog made some, some huge news over the weekend on the diamond. And it wasn't, it wasn't Dave Van Horn's baseball team. It was a sophomore on the softball team. Danielle Gibson over the weekend hit for, the home run cycle, which is a w- single home run, a two-run home run, a three-run home run, and a grand slam all in one game. And wow, she not only Damn. did it all in one game, becoming the seventh player in NCAA history to ever do this, she did it all in just four innings, her first four at-bats. Whoa. <laughs> yeah. <Wow>. So <laughs> at first, her, her record wasn't as impressive because it was like, oh, well, seven people have done it. It's not like she's the first person to ever do it. But she did it in four innings, which is the first person to ever wow. do that. And she would have maybe had a chance at breaking more records, but the game got called after her grand slam in the fourth inning because they run-ruled the team. So Wow. <laughs> Wow. So, what a girl, Danielle. Impressive. And now I understand like some of it's luck. She can't control who gets on base and what, but I mean, she came up to the plate four times, hit that thing out of the park and got the home run cycle. By the way, nobody in MLB history's ever hit for the home run cycle. So hell, hell of a weekend for uh, the sophomore wow. Danielle Gibson over, over in Vogel park in Fayetteville. So wow. Good for her. Yeah. Well done. That's what I'm going to go with my best of the week. Pops, what do you got for your best of the week? 
Well, my best, I mean, I, I kind of gave it away a little earlier, but it, I like that Green Book, a, a movie I like, won, won the Academy nice. Awards. I mean, I, I you know, I, I liked the movie. I thoroughly enjoyed the movie, and I'm glad it won. That was First my best. It is in the history of the podcast, right? Well, history of the podcast, yeah. Yeah, 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 actually, <laughs> you're right, it is. It is funny, though, like, I, I watched the Oscars kind of to see what movies I, I didn't watch and should have seen, but it is fun when, like, they do the nominations for best picture and there's a movie like green book pops up and it's something you enjoyed. And then when you're like, hell yeah, hell yeah. You know, it, yeah. it feels like, yeah, it feels good. You kind of share it that does. win. You kind of get to share yeah. that win with uh, John Fairley. So right. <laughs> yeah, we, we all, yeah. we all won John. So <laughs> uh, LJ, what do you got for your best of the week? Well, I, uh, I was at a middle school and high school and elementary school dance competition um, and I realized a good money-making venture, which is always a good thing. Oh, here people we go. Need, they need somebody to cut their music for them and edit their music because they're just stilted and awful. So it hadn't worked out for me yet, but I'm about to make just t- bukus of money. That's all I got to say is if, you, if, if you're a <laughs> dance company, I'll work for cheap. Just if you listen and run a dance company, which I'm sure is probably not very many people, but uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll edit your music right now. I'll get it back to you in half an hour and it'll be better than anything you could do. So yeah. All right. Making the, the money. money. I like it. The money like making it. train. I'm going to jump on that with you LJ. <laughs> if I can just, just, I want to get a back, uh, a side ride. You do all the work and I'll just kind of <laughs> cash in with you. You'd be my PR Spe- guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Speaking <laughs> of music, that actually transitions well to my worst of the week. And I don't know if you guys saw this over the weekend, but it's it's been a bad uh, so far. 2019 hasn't been great for uh, the rapper Ja Rule. I don't know. You probably remember he was involved in <laughs> in, in some of the Firefest stuff. And this weekend he was in Mount in Milwaukee, <laughs> and they were gonna do that. They were gonna do a halftime show at the Bucks game, and the show yeah. it was supposed to be. It was they were doing 90s night, so that's why they brought Ja Rule out there. And he started out real right. weird. He he's a 2000s artist, right? His first album came out in '99 or something like that. Yeah, he's so more he of a two thousands artist, but that that first album came out in ninety nine, and he even said they were like they were doing nineties night. They invited me. I mean, I guess I'm really a two thousands rapper, but they they wanted to bring me out, so whatever. So it already had a weird start. Like it was like, okay, I don't that, that, that's a weird way to go. And then I I don't know the, the there's a video going around of him saying like, "Are you ready?" And like then he like waits to hear a response, and the crowd is deadly quiet. And I think he was supposed to hear. <laughs> It turns out there was like a production problem and there was supposed to be a sound play over the speakers and it just didn't play, but it was a terrible look for old Ja. It just, he yeah. says, are you ready? And it's needles. I mean, you can't hear anything out there. <laughs> and then he even goes, he goes, uh, I guess not. <laughs> and then, so they finally, you know, it takes a while, but they finally get things going. And then about three and a half minutes left of, uh, of the halftime show, Ja Rule is still in mid song. And our boy, Dad, the, the Greek freak, comes out. Giannis Antetokounmpo comes out and starts shooting warm-up shots over at the other court. While yeah, they had to turn the lights on so Giannis can see because he's doing warm-up while Jarrell is performing at halftime. Oh, and then you probably didn't think there's any way this could get any better, but it does. It gets it gets better. The Tim on Twitter. The Timberwolves are are they're notorious. Whoever runs their Twitter account does pretty well. I mean, they shoot, they miss every now and then, but they do pretty well with the different jokes and stuff. And they made a little joke on uh, Ja Rule and tweeted a picture of him and said, "If you remember, after Firefest came out, Ja Rule came. There was like a quote going around where he was like, 
I too was scammed and bamboozled and hoodwinked and all this stuff. And basically said it wasn't him. He wasn't the bad guy. And the Timberwolves tweeted a picture of Ja Rule in the Bucks jersey performing at halftime. And they said, I, I think they were the other team playing. And they said, we too were hustled, scammed, bamboozled, hoodwinked, and led astray. And making a joke about Ja Rule. And Ja Rule did not take that well. He then went on his, uh, decided to quote the tweet. And he, I guess, has cursed the Timberwolves. I don't. I didn't realize he he had the power to do this, but he tweeted back and said, "You just jinx yourself talking to the God in all caps this way. You're cursed now in all caps. You won't win a championship for the next thirty years." And Carl Anthony Town is leaving. Apologize, and I'll lift the curse. Kiss of death. So I, man, I Ja Rule is on one. I don't know what's going on with Ja Rule, but he is just on one. Boy, but what Sounds happens? Sounds like the Strassen effect is coming. <laughs> what happens if the Bucks don't win for like twenty six years? Like, and they have to call old ass Jaw Rula. Jaw, Jaw, we're sorry, Jaw. <laughs> oh God! It was just it, <laughs> the story. First, it came out just the, the the clip of him doing that "Are you ready?" thing came out, and I was like, "That's funny." And then the Giannis thing came out. You are like, "Man, it, it's even better." And then the Timberwolves and the and the tweet and the cursing and all that comes out. And it was just whoo. It just kept getting Saturday night was the story that kept on it kept on giving mm. pops. What do you got for your worst of the week? Well, I saw this Sunday morning and then LJ brought it up, but uh, my man, the first album I ever bought, first album I ever bought was Frampton comes alive. Mm-hmm. Peter Frampton. And I, can I still just see that love cover. him as an artist. Oh man. I still listen to it. Probably. I don't know. Three or four times a year. Just, yeah. just put it on and listen to it. It's a great album. And and he's got and I don't know that I can. It's inclusion body mycetus myositis. I I don't I don't know how you pronounce that. IBM IBM is what they call it. And IBM. It is a degenerative IBM is what they is the acronym. Oh, okay. You know, okay. obviously, but uh, it's a degenerative muscle disease, and he will eventually lose control of his fingers and hands, which for a guitar player is devastating. Obviously, um, so. You know, now he's putting on a concert. I think this truly will be, won't be like the some of the others you see. This will probably be his last yeah. a, a uh, tour. tour. Yep, and a, a farewell tour. You know, this is. A, I did learn uh, this. This disease usually develops after age fifty. There's only three and a half cases per one hundred thousand people, so it is very rare. Wow. Uh, men get it three times more often than women. And most people will need daily assistance within 15 years of contracting the disease. So uh, as he said, and I heard him say on a Sunday, I think it was that channel uh, or the CBS this morning uh, on Sunday. And he said, it's not life threatening. It is life changing. And he was pretty upbeat about it. Pretty cool. You know, it made me feel good, but it is just sad to see uh, a legend, someone you've grown up with. I mean, a a, a legend to me, certainly. Yeah. Yeah, That I grew up with. And, uh, to see him, you know, I mean, it's, we all get old. We all, we, we're not getting any younger and it's, True. it's, it's tough. So that was my worst to see Frampton. Yeah. Struggling a little and bit. And we were, we were talking kind of before we started, before we recorded and LJ was talking about one sucks that didn't get to see Frampton live. And I guess, like you said, you still can, but as LJ mentioned, this is a legitimate farewell tour. I mean, I, getting yeah. tickets to this is going to be really tough. I mean, it's just, yeah. it's, it's tough. It's tough news and it does suck. I I'm not as big of a Frampton guy as you, but I just know you you throw you throw Frampton on and it, it it's a good it, a road trip with Frampton's a good one. Yep. So for sure, it's a good listen. Sure. Good listen. Sure. LJ, what what do you got for your worst this week? 
Well, I was at a, a dance competition, <laughs> and so that was <laughs> okay. Boy. Is that it? Stop yep. it! Right. Wait, yep. I've seen the boy Kevin. He's got some wiggle. You see? <laughs> no, dance, no, no, no. Right? I was not dancing. Wait a second. <laughs> let's, 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 let's get this okay, going. Right. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. Um, it was just. It was. Uh, I put in twenty hours over the course of thirty hours, uh, just watching middle schoolers dance. It was, you know, it was a long day. Um, so. <laughs> yeah, that's all I got. That was that was it. It, it was it wasn't LJ busting the breakdance moves. Yeah, out my there. best is now. Everybody listening to the podcast is imagining me trying to boogie. So that's my new best. <laughs> right. Hey, he, he, we might could find a video, Kevin. There, he got a little wiggle. If you, if you get a little, if you get a little uh, uh, that uh, that wiggle juice in him, he's got a little wiggle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Wiggle juice does help. It helps us all, no doubt about it. <laughs> I'm sure you've heard plenty of takes at this point on on a lot of this stuff, but last weekend, and we talked about it as we went out last week as we were recording LJ, but me and dad were pumped to watch the North Carolina Duke game last oh, Wednesday, yeah. and and tickets were going through the roof. They were apparently like costing as much as some of the Super Bowl tickets, and Barack Obama was in the house. I mean, it was a star-studded event, and a lot of that, one, Spike, Spike Lee, Lee was, was in the house, house and, and a lot of that's due to Duke at UNC's a big rivalry, one of the best in, in Oh yeah college sports maybe all of sports but a big part of that was zion williamson who's made a huge name for himself and is is a star in himself in, in his own right and then 30 seconds into it he is uh, mm-hmm. inadvertently just runs around and as you've seen a million times now just blows through his paul george yeah. twos or whatever he was wearing that he was wearing some paul george nikes i've Paul George 2.5. I've honestly never yep. seen someone just blow through a shoe like that. I, I, I later saw some stuff on Twitter of different, like Mono Ginobili kind of did something similar and some other guys have, but just blew through a shoe and then hurt his knee and then did not return to the game. So the guy everyone's paying all this money for didn't return to the game, which yep. this all led a huge topic on Twitter and everywhere else all over the internet and for the next week really is the the whole amateurism and college athletes not getting paid because clearly – with the whole storyline leading up to the game was how much tickets cost and how many people wanted to go and how this was yeah. a big event. Well, I mean, it's pretty clear. You know how much LJ, can you tell us how much Zion Williamson is uh, getting paid? Uh, I mean, well, it depends. It depends on uh, who, who the money man for the team is, but allegedly zero dollars. Yeah. <laughs> allegedly. Yeah. The, <laughs> allegedly. There, there may or may not have been someone dropping a bag off at his mother's house, but <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so the whole yeah. thing came up about one should college athletes getting get paid, and then the the second big thing was why is Zion Williamson even playing? He should just be sitting out. There's no reason for him to play for Duke. He's already got his draft stock up number one. So I just want to I'll, I'll go over to Dad first because I know Dad was watching that game with. I mean, we were texting before the game. We were pumped to watch it, and then that I was thirty seconds. Very in. excited. What, what were your yeah. thoughts on the injury, and then moving forward for Zion? Well, my first thought on the shoe blowing out was I bet Nike's sphincter muscle is tight right now. <laughs> oh, man, yeah. That was a thing on that Twitter. Was... I saw that all over the place. Oh, I, we've mentioned him a few well, times on the pod. Starberries. Yeah, <laughs> we, we mentioned him on, on the pod before, but Darren Ravel, who's all into sports business, went on a Nike rampage where he was talking about how this will affect stocks and this will do this and this will do that. Mm-hmm. He, went, he mm-hmm. went super sports nerd on us and started talking about Nike. But you're right. They, well, they now, were their stock did go down like over it. a percentage point, you know, the next day. It's a bad look. Um, the game that everyone's thoughts. watching, it was the Super Bowl of college basketball so far this year. And 
30 yeah. seconds in, he blows, blows through a shoe. Yep. But yeah, go ahead, Dad. Well, and, and what, what I think is interesting, so so he was wearing a Paul George, the PG 2.5, Paul George brand right. shoe. Or, His you latest, know, the, yes. Paul George, whatever, namesake. Uh, they do have a 3.0 out now, by the way, which he might want to try. <laughs> but apparently, this 2.5 is made of lighter construction. There's something called strobel. It's called strobel construction, which allows a sock-like feel with plenty of flex by using a cloth that's the key word, a cloth connection to stitch the upper to the midsole. So I guess apparently some shoes have a stronger than cloth, maybe a plastic or even a riveted type attaching mechanism to get the upper on the midsole. And they talked about Paul George is 6'9", 220. Yeah. How Zion big is he? Williamson is 6'7", 285. <laughs> and if you noticed on the move that he did, I mean, he completely stopped. So all 285 pounds of his was on stressing on that shoe, and it just gave way. Well, yeah, that um, Paul George he and, might need a different brand of Paul shoe. Paul George and Zion Williamson both that, play a completely different style of basketball. Paul George is a very play, smooth exactly. game, and Zion is just a force of nature. I mean, he's just a beast. Yeah. Right, right. So they were saying he might want to try some different shoes, but but now I don't I do think they make a shoe though the point for I, a. 285 the big the, the left tackle that also could jump higher than michael jordan i mean they don't make that he needs to call gronk's brace man but so so here's my thought though so zion probably is too big for the shoe he needs a different shoe maybe still toe boots <laughs> but starburst um, baby so, so in the last last year in the 217 2018 the first round pick i was reading made 5.8 millions i guess that was deandre ayton in the made first 5. year 8, the and then was going to make in the first year, it was going to make 6.9 in the second year. So, I mean, pretty good. That first salary even is pretty good. And Zion Williamson is obviously in line for monster money, um, completely right. monster money. But you know what? I hate to say this, because I. but he needs to just not play. I mean, he's not getting paid. He is the bar none, number one pick in the draft. He is for sure going to make about $6 million uh, if he gets to the NBA yeah. draft. Why play again? And I want to see the kid play. There's no doubt about it. And there's nothing like college basketball. It'll put a whole damper on the year for me personally. But if I am Zion Williamson or his dad, I would have to strongly consider you're not playing again. It's just, it's just not worth it. Well, yeah. So my response to that is I, I kind of have a two, a two, a two headed response. And one of it is, some of the people who were coming out after that injury and saying he shouldn't have played all this year, he should have sat out. That I think that's ludicrous because if you if you remember coming in the, into the year, if you kept up with Zion Williamson High School at all, like he was actually the number three or number two or three recruit coming in to the season. And a lot of people, if uh, his rec- his highlights in South Carolina looked like, yeah, it was insane. He was dunking all over people, but it looked like the level of competition he was playing against. Like a lot of people are like, is he just a highlight reel or is he actually a good basketball player? Many people even were yeah. saying RJ Barrett is the number one overall pick and Zion Williamson's maybe four or five. And then Zion Williamson came out at Duke and completely showed everyone he is a stud. He can do it, do it all. He is, And has vaulted himself yeah. not only to a first round pick and a lottery pick, but now he's like being called the, the surest lock maybe since – since uh, Anthony Davis or even even Durant Oden days. I mean, he's just a lock now. People are saying even if he would have tore his ACL, he's still the number one overall pick. That wasn't the case before he started playing at Duke. So I do think there was reason for him to to dress out and play at Duke. Now, I do understand a little bit, Pops, now that he's solidified himself as the number one prospect. I understand maybe shutting it down. But 
you got to think about it. And this is kind of where I, I found myself is he is. And, and, and someone told me I am a Duke fan. I watch Duke and root for Duke. And so there could be some skew to this because obviously I want to see the best player. But even as a fan, like you said, Pops, I want to see Zion play as much as possible. But he's a, whatever, 18 years old. He's gonna he's gonna be hooping regardless of whether it's at Duke or it's at the twenty four hour yeah. fitness gym or it's at Rucker Park. I mean, he's gonna be playing basketball regardless. Dude just loves Charles Barkley even said it. He was like, "We're basketball players. This is what we do." He's going to find a somewhere to play basketball. So if you're gonna if you're gonna yeah, you if you're point. gonna do yeah. that, you might as well do it against the top competition in the nation instead of going to the twenty four hour fitness and playing against like what if he shows up and plays a a game where me, you, and LJ are playing, we're way more likely to accidentally do a set a screen or st- let him step on our ankle or whatever than if he's playing mm-hmm. against North Carolina. And then on top of that, he's playing with one one of, if not the the greatest basketball coach in, in alive right mm-hmm. now, and that's Coach K, who's teaching him basketball. And then the, probably the best trainers and best equipment. I know that the equipment failed him Wednesday night uh, last week, yeah. but. Right. Duke's probably giving them just as good equipment. If you can't get paid, then might as well get the best equipment. Plus, and then the the last part is, and I know this sometimes gets overhyped, but there is something to the experience. And then at Duke, and and if you win at Duke, and he's got the, the there's so many former pros and pros in in the NBA that went to Duke, and if he can bring a championship and do that, there is a memory to that that you can't get if you sit out the rest of this year and go number one overall. I just think my final thought was he's going to play either way, so you might as well do it at Duke against the best players. And as we mentioned, there may or may not be a bag being dropped off at at Dad's front porch (laughs) or at Mom's front porch. So, LJ, did you have any major thoughts from the Zion thing? Man, I mean, I I, kind of want to echo what you guys are both saying a little bit in that, that like, yeah, the quickest way to start this conversation about how players should get paid is if the best player is just sitting down because he doesn't want to get hurt before he gets paid. I mean, I think that'll that'll start that conversation up real quick. But I think the chances of him doing that is just like you said, Kevin, he's a ball player. I mean, you, you can't tell a ball player not to play ball. I mean, it's just he's not going to do it. So the rules are messed up and you can't fault him for, you know, just playing along so he can do the yeah. thing he's always loved to do. So and um, football and it's a little well, let, different. Let me than, assure you, I hope you all are both. Yeah, right. And football <laughs> and basketball are different, whereas I don't have any problem with a guy sitting out in football for bowl season. I mean, it does suck, but I get it Like because we, we saw. Yeah. What happened with Jalen Smith when he ruined his knee and went from maybe top three pick to a second rounder? And yeah. but basketball and football are just they're different animals. I mean, there is a chance that Zion Williams get hurt, but there's a chance that his shoe blows out while working out. Even if it wasn't basketball, he could have been just doing a drill. I mean, that it's not where he's getting killed and getting hit, and there's a full contact sport like football. It's it's different animal. And I think the real question should be not Zion sitting or not. It's we got to find a way to. I I don't know. People smarter than me have tried to figure this out, and I don't know the best way to do it as far as paying athletes because you can't pay the guy at Arkansas State University the same thing you're paying Zion Williamson. So do you open it up like like pros and, and have like boosters can pay anybody anything and it's like free agency? Maybe. Do you have it where – Man, the answer, the answer is obvious just, to me. Just let them take endorsement deals. That's all what, you got to do. That's my, that the, what, I, what I keep coming back to and what I don't understand is – if Zion Williamson can go down to the Riley car dealership and on a Saturday say, I'm going to go sign autographs and they're willing to pay him and people are willing to pay him for the autographs. I don't see why mm-hmm. he's, he's only benefiting off himself. If I'm willing yeah. to go pay Zion Williamson for his autograph, I don't see why he shouldn't be able to. And that's how you, I think that's the best way of how you police it is if, if John, like you would say, maybe 
the guy at Murray State shouldn't be paid the same as Al Williamson. Well, if John Morant has that big of a following, Dad, you you talked about him last week a little. If people want right. if people yeah. want to pay him, then let him pay him. I I don't understand that, and I, I guess it gets down to the the Alabamas of the world will pay the most in football, and the Dukes will pay the most in basketball. But we already see the same teams every year at number yeah. one and number. Yeah. Like, it's not that different. We see Clemson, Alabama every year in football, and Duke's always in the running if they're in one seed. So I don't know. I don't yeah. know the best way to do it. I do think one solution that should come soon is let the guys go straight out of high school if they want to. I mean, Zion Williams, if he wanted to, yeah. he could have went. I know if the rule was changed, he could have went straight out of high school or straight out of high school to the NBA, and he probably would have been drafted fifth or sixth overall. And now he'll probably be drafted number one. And as Dad mentioned, that's a difference of over over the course of four years. I think that's a difference of about eight million dollars. So it. It is behooving him to go to Duke this year, at least so far. Yeah, well, but you can make up that $8 million on sponsorship deals, too. Right. I mean, um, that's not that big of a difference So I, when it comes down to it. Well, now, Kevin, you alluded to it, right? I think they are, isn't uh, Silver really looking at going ahead and removing that one-year, uh, one-and-done He's He's mentioned and it, and it's, it's definitely been in the conversation between the NBA and the NBA PA, and then they're trying to talk with it because it's – the NCAA gets a lot of crap, but it's kind of an NBA rule too. That's that's throwing the NCAA. The NCAA should them yeah. not paying athletes is on them, and them the way they profit off all of this is amazing in their own right. How they found a way to get this to work for them, but the NBA is the one that instituted you must go to you can't come straight out. No, of but high they did that for year. the NCAA. They didn't do that for the NBA though. Yeah. that's a that's a rule for for March Madness. That's why that rule exists is to have right. The and I, in and that I think area. it had unintended unintended consequences as we've we've mentioned on the show before i think it 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 almost i would rather if you can go pro go pro and if you can't go to college and spend two or three years getting your game ready and then we can we can kind of get to know the players on our teams a little bit because this one and done they're here they're gone i mean is zion williamson really going to be a duke alum yeah well that's what when he went there talked about you know the the duke brotherhood and, and the duke love and all this stuff it's like well I get it, but you were there for six months. You were there for a semester, yeah. Really, yeah. So it is yeah. a little. It's different exactly. than Christian Leitner so. and Grant Hill and and some of the other guys that were there for well years on years. And the other so. thing is like what March. What makes March Madness fun to me, um, and it might be different from you guys, but it's not seeing the best talent, but it's seeing the crazy upsets and it's seeing the wild things happen. And those still happen. If they maybe even happen more, if you say Zion Williamson, you go do what you do. Um, well, at whatever level. And you say the unintended consequences, and just to bring up before we bounce off this subject is the the NBA does benefit from this rule also, where there was a lot of guys, and they're, they're just for for all the Kobe's out there and T Max and and and, Car- and 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 LeBrons, the guys that came straight out of high school and were great. There's usually a, a Kwame Brown, or we've mentioned before a Sebastian, Sebastian Telfair. Yeah, those guys that don't end up mm-hmm. making it in the NBA, it does help the NBA have like. It's almost like their minor league where they can send you and, and they can see. Because like we talked about with Zion, now that he's actually played a year at Duke against some of the top competition, you go, oh, okay, maybe he should be the number one overall pick, not R.J. Barrett. R.J. Barrett maybe should be the third overall pick. So it, it's another but, year for them to scout guys have, against top. They have a D league. They have Europe. I mean, why they have they that have G league in a place where you can't get paid? Well, that's a good question. I, because the guys aren't going to go straight to the, what they're going to do. If you draft someone straight out of high school, he's going to get a roster spot. I mean, you're not putting him to the G League if you take him top four overall. You're just not. I mean, you're see probably him. right, but that's that's a problem for them. You right. Know, that's that's not that big of a problem. That's a small problem. They should go <laughs> back. They, they should go out of high school. He's worth taking. And they should go fails, to the college baseball the rule to where a guy can come straight out of high school if they want to. And if they choose to, then okay, cool. If you're if you're good enough to get drafted, by all means, go get drafted. But 
if you go to if you go play college sports, then you have to play whatever it is. I think two or three years. Like make them play, make them make the decision. But at least give them the option. Yeah. Give them the option. If Zion is, if someone's willing to draft you, whether it's the second round, first round, whatever, someone's willing to draft you, and you're willing to give up college, by all means, go make your money. I mean, I don't see why not. But if you're going to go college, yeah. make them stay for two years, and then you get, I think you get both benefits to it. So we'll see. I don't know. It, it gets talked about and, and never changes. But I just, I personally, as a fan of just basketball and Duke, I would love to see Zion Williamson play the rest of the year because it's just he's he's freaking fun to watch. But we'll we'll see what ends up happening there. He he, I think they said that the agent said or the the team has said that he's day to day, which. I mean, aren't we all a little day to day? I was day to day coming into this podcast. I, I wasn't sure, you know, it just depends. It just depends how I'm feeling this morning. <laughs> so moving on a little bit, and uh, this is a story that the NBA was not happy ha- has come back up recently, and this was the the Tim Donaghy story popped back up. I, oh, for yeah. any anyone that doesn't remember. Uh, Tim Donaghy was the ref back in, in 2007 and eight was uh, accused. And then I basically, it depends how it comes out. It depends how you word it. it. He was fixing games and there were games that he was gambling on. He was a referee that was betting on the games he was refing on and then winning at a high clip. And later it came out and it kind of got blown out where the NBA, there, someone reported that the FBI was investigated and that they found it. And the NBA said they investigated it and they did their own internal investigation. They didn't find any, any anything I'm saying here. If y'all have a correction or something, just spit it out. But the NBA kind of said, sure. "Not think you're they, right they investigated yeah. it and they decided that they only found that he fixed one game. There's only one game where they could find proof that he, the, the calls that he made changed the outcome, outcome of the game to fix the spread or to, to hit the spread. So ESPN, the magazine, Scott Eden did this huge uh, deep dive back into it. 10 years later and interviewed like guys he had gambled with the, the, the people that were involved, friends that were involved, his ex-wife, uh, the guy who was leading the FBI investigation and opened up. And I mean, it really was, it blew my mind kind of one, how to see how it all started, how it all happened. And then two, how the NBA was able to kind of, to, to narrate the story and control this story. It was mind blowing. Yeah. Uh, I guess we'll just start with how it, the NBA made it sound like at the beginning, they made it sound like Tim Donaghy was just a rogue ref who had a gambling problem and, and got into this. And, and then, yep. then he started maybe fixing some games. So it wasn't a NBA because, because the, the scandal's huge because it, it makes you think, well, if, if one guy could have done this, how, I mean, could multiple people be fixing games? How many games are fixed? Right. And, and the NBA made it sound like it was just him. And then he got involved with this, this, uh, which, I was reading the one guy he got involved with that because Donaghy and a friend were gambling, but they were gambling smaller amounts until this bigger bookie realized, oh, wait, these guys must have some kind of fix because they only bet thousands of dollars every now and then. But every time they do, they win some money. So let's see what what they're doing. And then realize, oh, it's every game this dude's officiating is the games they went on. And the guy that got involved in it was a guy named James Jimmy Baba the Sheep. Three different nicknames, Batista. One, I just want to say a guy with three different nicknames, I don't think you could trust him. I don't think you can trust that guy, <laughs> but, but he got involved and they started betting more money. Donaghy, basically they had a deal where Donaghy would get $2,000 on any game that he was refing covered. If the game didn't cover then he would get nothing, but he wouldn't lose any money. So basically it was a win-win for Donaghy and Batista would just do, do his own thing. He would bet up to about a million dollars of his investors money in each of Donaghy's game. And then what, 
what was interesting is so the FBI came out, they investigated, they found him, and and where this article got to, and I had no idea about this, and Dad, maybe you remember, I was a little younger, so I don't, I don't know for sure, but the FBI was getting ready to get Donaghy on a wiretap, and really, because Donaghy started spewing out saying. I'm not the only ref doing this. Multiple people are doing this. I remember that. This is a corrupt system. Mm -hmm. And uh, the FBI was going to get him to wear a wiretap and really get to the bottom of this. And then all of a sudden, about a month after the FBI notified the NBA that they were doing this investigation, all of a sudden, the story leaks out to to the New York Times. Or was it the New York Post? I think it was New York Times leaked the story out, and they reported it. And then at that point, now the FBI's cover's blown. They can't do the wiretap. No one's going to talk to Donaghy. Right. I mean— did the NBA cover up something much bigger? Is it possible, you think, Dad? I think it's possible. Yeah, I think it's possible because that would look horrible on the NBA. So they wanted that story to die and go away, and they cannot be happy about it coming back up again. Well, and um, Especially because that, the NBA has totally embraced gambling. Well, now, that's what they, they have so totally. So last, last year, May 14th, the U.S. Supreme Court struck down a 1992 federal law, federal law that had forbidden states from legalizing sports gambling. And so now you've seen like New Jersey's done a, a, a few, a few States now have legalized gambling. It's not just in Vegas. And I think this story coming out now is such a huge coming back up and resurfacing is so huge because, and like you said, that NBA is one of the forefront of the, the big, the big four sports pro sports that have said, Oh, we're all about it. Let's do more gambling. MGM is going to be the official partner of the NBA and, and all this stuff. But the more there's gambling, the more it makes me think it, not only can a ref, but now I like can football. What about the center? What if the center has a little bit of money? Well, that's what, so, so what I was going to say is um, that it might not just if you're if you want to go conspiracy, Kevin, could they cover this up? Could the NBA cover something up? Absolutely. Would they have had willing help? Any sports league in the world wants to kill the idea of refs fixing games immediately because right, it can yeah. be done in basketball. Yep. It can be done anywhere because the money and, that uh, Donaghy was making thing, and these people are making. I mean, it's more than what they're making as a ref, right? So. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, and the other thing uh, worth mentioning is that if you believe in NBA conspiracies at all, then you know that David Stern was a god at covering things up. I mean, you look at like the Michael Jordan stuff that potentially could have been this insane conspiracy that he went to go play basketball to go deal with, you know, right, whatever suspension yeah. they didn't want him to have. The, the secret suspension, look at, like, yeah. As soon, as soon as Adam Silver takes over, the NBA has the biggest controversy they might have ever had. Um, with the Sterling maybe thing at David the Clippers, Stern was in yeah. charge. Yep. When David Stern was in charge, it might've just gotten swept under the rug and nobody would have ever known. So like, you know, I'm not saying that it definitely happened, but like, could it? Absolutely. There's no question in my mind. They could have covered that up. Well, well, yeah, your, your question is, would other sports leagues help perhaps the NBA cover this up? Is that kind of, well, well, I'm saying question was, and I think if that was your question and I, maybe I think you alluded to it, LJ, I think absolutely because the integrity of the game is how, why are we interested in it? Because we think we can bet based on our knowledge of the game, you know, mm-hmm. and this linebacker's hurt or this guy's got a foot injury or or this matchup really works well between Milwaukee and Golden State or whatever. Yeah. And now if you've got a rogue ref in there. Hell, even I mean, Vegas wants gambling, this to be covered up. Even Vegas yeah, would not want the integrity of the bets to be lost. Because they want people to keep gambling, and you're yeah. only going to gamble if you believe you have a – you know, the chances are fair for yeah. you to well, win. It's not the fix. What was so yet. crazy about what the NBA and David Stern did, and like, like LJ said, they got to hate this coming up. The NBA just hates this coming up. But the NBA afterward, and we mentioned this a little bit, they did their own review of Donaghy after all this came out. And what they did was they rewatched 17 games. 
And of those 17 games, they found that just one of the games appeared to be called to help a team covered, and that was the Pistons and uh, someone else playing. I can't remember which, what the teams were, but they, they said only one of the 17 games, which first off, the ESPN did the research, and the why, why they did 17, I don't understand, because the FBI suggested that Donaghy, one, wagered on four years' worth of games before he got involved with uh, the sheep, Baba Batista or whatever, and that was, and then he also bet on every single the sixty plus games of the two thousand six two thousand seven season when he was involved with Batista. So the FBI is suggesting that he at least uh, wagered on one hundred and eighty different games that he refed over the course of five years. But the NBA decided they would only ref, they would only watch seventeen. I I don't know how they found that. And then well, is, I, I think I have an idea why they yeah did go ahead just seventeen. Why, why is that? Well, so I think that. They probably uh, watched one to see if they could spot him fixing the game. Saw nothing. Watched another. Saw nothing. They were like, oh, this is going to be so easy. Let's keep going. Got to number 17, and they were like, stop. Stop immediately. One in 17 is a lot better than what we're going to find if we keep going. Well, and that's, if you go back, if you you read the article on it, we'll post it in the show notes, but it's on ESPN.com and ESPN the magazine if you have a subscription. And it's a great article by Scott Eden. He did some, him and whoever was all involved, they did some serious research into this, but they went back and looked at because what you do is if you look at 17 games, you can't really look at the blowouts either way because obviously, and, and Donnie even mentioned it in the That's article. He was like, if the game gets above 15 points, obviously I can't sway that. So it's just going to happen either whether it's in our favor or not. So ESPN looked at out of 30 games, games that were competitive that Donaghy ref during the 06, 07 season. And by competitive, I think they were saying within, within single digits. And they were out of the 30 games that were competitive, they found that 23 of them covered the spread and 20. And so it was like 23, six and one or something. So Donaghy had like a 77% percentage rate of, of, of getting right on the games that he said would cover and the games that he was reffing. So the ESPN's research makes it sound like not only was he doing this at a higher clip than the NBA thinks, which I think is obvious, but that he was extremely good at reffing these games. And then it even talked about how Donaghy did it. He opened up and said that, he would, and Dad, I thought this was really interesting. He would call a illegal defense early in the game on the team that he was betting against. So then he could dictate their defense the rest of the game. They would then quit playing so physical, and then and then if he calls it a real like a real mm. weird one, one he calls it early, so it's not as obvious as calling one late in the game. But two, it's setting up to where anything he calls is not as bad as that one. So he's setting the tone for how he can officiate the rest of the game. I mean, he was really he was good at this. Mm. He was talented at it, and. Then the second thing, and we t- LJ talked about this, and this is Stern possibly covering up and the NBA covering up. Eden tried to talk to a bunch of former refs, and basically uh, Donaghy's name's like, it, it, it's, a, it's a black sheep. You don't want to mention it, and no one wants to mention it. I get that a little bit, but also it almost sounded like people were either afraid to, to discuss Donaghy or didn't want to. And I, I wonder, is it because he was a disgrace to referees, or is it because someone maybe who's paying you, David Stern in the NBA, is saying, hey, don't talk about Donaghy to anybody. And it's number I, two. Yeah, I would bet it's <laughs> yeah. you money. It's number two. And I just think this is yes. something that's going to come up in all sports. And that's why LJ's 100% right that every, every sport would want to cover this up because if a ref could do it, why wouldn't the, if someone comes up to, I think Bill Simmons mentions the long snapper in, in a, uh, in a football game, obviously they're not making near the money that the quarterback's making. So why wouldn't they, if someone said, we'll pay you a million dollars to make sure this game gets screwed. Here you go. Or maybe it's the holder or maybe it's, you know, mm-hmm. I, th- there's ways this can happen. And it's just as a fan, this is the worst thing. Cause now there's no, no game is near as fun to watch. If, if the fix is in like wrestling, when you know what's going to happen, it's not as enjoyable as watching 
the Cowboys Broncos where you don't know what's going to happen when you start that game off. Yeah, right. Well, I thought it was super interesting, and I haven't finished the article, but how they said, you know, there was one faction that said, we want to get all the the legaling, uh, the the gambling legal, so all the everything's up and up, and there's no chance for for these kind of shenanigans. And the other side says, hey, the more money you get into gambling, the more money there is to make somebody go wrong. Yeah, the which more incentive. Yeah, I kind of tend to to think more of along yeah. the second line. So, um, and they have, like we said, protect the integrity of the game. Or, or are they going to go the way of wrestling? And I. I, I guess wrestling yeah, still, still is okay, profitable, but, but yeah. I haven't watched it in a long time and don't care. To. And well, and the other thing on that article that was interesting is everyone that either figured out about Donaghy or Donaghy came clean to, none of them really uh, ratted him out. Instead, they just saw dollar signs and they got in on it. Like everybody that figured out yeah. about it just was like, oh, because well, that's in our world, let's be honest, money talks. And these people, as much yep. as they were like, Oh, that's awful. Like the one guy, the friend that he opened up to, he he opened up to him in, in his in his suite and the guy said he sat there and listened to the whole thing and then after he got done, he was like, "So, how can I get into it?" It wasn't it wasn't a yeah. this is terrible. What are you doing? It was a okay, this sounds like you got straight up cash in the ba- yeah. in the bank. I guess it, this is easy money. And it was. That mm-hmm. money talks and it's scary how much this either could or is already involved in sports and and, well, and that's the other thing. How did like, they catch him? How did they catch this? So I'm not sure. The, if you read in the article that got Scala, the FBI, the main investigator, was actually investigating a, a di- different parts of the FBI are all put apart, put on to different like mob families. And so he was watching the Gambino family in New Jersey. I don't really know what that family is, but basically they're, they're monitoring them at all times, kind of like what you've seen on the Netflix shows where they're just watching them, waiting for them to slip up or something, a way they can get slip them with Rico up, or whatever yeah, okay. it is. And someone suggested so they got a tip that someone suggested, hey, this referee is fixing games and some of this money is going back to these makers and it's going back to, it's somehow tied to Gambino money. And so really it wasn't big enough for him to look because it was like, oh, this is small money. It won't even really hurt the Gambinos at all, the family that he's supposed to be watching. But he was like, oh, but it is a huge deal. And they started looking into it and started watching the Donaghy games. And he claims it was so obvious. And the first reason he said he went, he started diving into it was because when they brought it up to the NBA, the reason they were going to do all the wiretapping and stuff is because when they brought it up to the NBA a month before it got leaked out to the New York Times, the NBA said it's impossible for something of this magnitude to be done. And Scala said, as soon as someone tells you it's impossible, that means they're full of shit. And so that's when he went yep. into it, and that's when they were going to wiretap it because he was like, there's more going on. Because he said it was mm-hmm. clear to him that the games Donaghy was refing, he was he was fixing. There would be fouls called late in games and whatnot. And so that's how they they this FBI guy caught him. And once they put uh, put him into a corner, he just started spewing out and giving everything. And it was funny. There was two sides to the story. Apparently, Donaghy claims that Bautista blackmailed him and said, you don't want the NBA to figure out what the, what you've been up to with these small bets. So either get involved with me and make me money or I'm going to tell everyone. And then Bautista claims that Donaghy reached out to him to try to make bigger money. So I don't know who's right and who's wrong, but a lot of people made a lot of money off of it. It was really interesting, LJ. A lot of the money that got made by two of the other guys that were partners with Bautista now own like a huge, the biggest share of all the Planet Fitnesses in the northwest or in the northwest and midwest, and like all mm. the Chicago Planet Fitnesses are owned by these guys. And that and wow, so like a lot of these guys wow. that made the money off. Read that article; it mentions it later. Like they mentioned kind of where that money went to, and a lot of the people that made money off this didn't get caught and are still. They're not doing the same thing, obviously, but they they're putting Hell, that money to some yeah, other. It use. sounds like I'm putting money in their pocket right now. Yeah. That's I mean I go to Planet Fitness in Chicago. <laughs> 
So, well, yeah, but they used dirty yeah. money to go into legitimate yeah, business. Yeah, it's legit now, but yeah, it was all did, dirty. So. And there was a lot yeah. oh, that's, that's of money being made on this. And it it's wild. It really is. It's a long read from ESPN the magazine, but Scott Eden and, and all the team that worked on it. I mean, it for someone like me who just, I know the Donaghy name and I knew of it and knew what had happened, but kind of didn't didn't keep going. Because one, I didn't keep going because I was a little younger. And two, the NBA did a fantastic job of controlling the story and making it, think, making it sound like it was it just Donaghy. And then this story opens it up to realize, oh, wow, there might be way more to this that we never even scratched the surface to, but we couldn't get to because the story got leaked out. It's just, yeah. it's, it, it's wild. It really is. Me and dad did a, a, I don't know if anyone stuck around, if you stuck around for all of it, we nerded out and did a lot of NBA uh, cap yeah. room and max cap and super max. And did you say John had a, qu- a question about some of the NBA stuff that yeah, we did? So, so I, I was editing and, uh, and I just lost interest completely. So I just let it fly by me uh, when you guys were talking about uh, <laughs> cap room and stuff like that, because the NBA is so complicated and weird. Um, and then John, uh, John Payne, longtime listener of the podcast, uh, mentioned on our Facebook. Shout out, Dr. John. Yeah, yeah, he's been on the show. Yeah, um, uh, he asked why uh, the 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 salary cap is so weird because like they've got a salary cap, right? So why do they need these maxes and super maxes, um, and then like the luxury taxes, the mid level exclusion? And then also, or, he asked yeah, why like, there's uh, a lot of why it's decided because I I don't really remember what, what you guys said because I didn't care. Um, but now I do now that he's asked, um, why, why it seems to be decided on, on relatively arbitrary things that aren't necessarily like, uh, I don't know. Uh, do you know what I'm saying? Does that make sense to you? Does that question? Uh, well, not the second part, the first part. Yes. But well, how, part, do, how do you confused. decide whether somebody is, uh, is you can give them a super max? Well, so we mentioned that was all in, in last week's pod. We're not going to go way all the way deep into it, but like, uh, if you were, if you made an All NBA team one of the past two years, or if you've won an MVP one of the past three years, there's different awards that you have to win to become max, super max these, eligible and max these, eligible. Uh, these awards are not necessarily. I mean, they tend to go to great players, but they're not necessarily like it's it's voted on, and it's not necessarily like a fact that. I mean, right? I mean, who who decides well, the MVP? No, no, you are either eligible for a Supermax or you are not right. eligible. It's, it's cut you, and dry. No, you're, you're right. Up, Kevin, it's, yeah. You have to make an All-NBA team. You have to have, what, four years uh, okay. with the same team, okay, All-NBA. So you know, they're, they're certain. Uh, subjective, for sure. Um, so yeah, well, so No, no, it's so not subjective. My, my real question, though, is why doesn't the NBA use a hard cap? What's what's the deal with that? And and one, that's a, that's a great question, John. And the reason that, and, yeah, and that I don't have... Uh, a, a cut and dry answer. I really don't. I tried to look up a little more to know. And what I found was basically what I kind of already thought. And it's the NBA instituted a, the bird rights rule a few, a while back. And that was to keep star players. It's named after the great Larry bird. Uh, yeah. And he stayed Boston his whole Celtics. career with the Celtics. Yeah. And it was, it was to encourage star players to stay with the team they're at. So what it did, what the rule in, says is, if a guy's eligible for the max deal or whatever, like Larry Bird was, like you know LeBron is, or all these different guys, if they stay with their current team, because now that current team's tried to build a, around that player, so like the the Cavaliers built around LeBron, so they want, and then LeBron comes up for a super max. Well, obviously that deal is for a lot of money. That's going to go put them over the cap. But if it's a guy that's previous that that you have bird rights to, which means he's played for you the past three years, then you can go over the cap. So a lot of these guys kept their players and went over the cap with it. So then that's why people started going over the cap. Now, basically every team besides like you'll see now, nowadays you'll know because 
free agency is such a big deal in LJ. I know you're rolling your eyes, but like the <laughs> Knicks have uh, the Knicks have cap room or whatever. But most teams, almost really almost, I would say. 25, 23 out of 30 teams on a given year are over the cap because they've given out a bird a contract with bird rights. So I don't know why the NBA doesn't just do a hard cap. I know they do a little different on their luxury tax rules where the teams that don't go over the luxury tax, which is like the luxury tax is a certain number over the cap. So yeah, this is getting really confusing. Too. Yeah, there's well, like, if you go over, that's one thing. But if you go over by this many million, then you well, hit the luxury what, okay, tax. So- just to make it clear to the listeners, because I just read this, that uh, the 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 salary cap is ninety nine million or yeah ninety nine million dollars, right? Whereas the the luxury mm-hmm. tax limit is like a hundred and seven million dollars. So if you're spending a right. hundred and six million dollars, you're over the salary cap, but you like you're not in that other range where you have a penalty. Like why wouldn't the penalty be at ninety nine million dollars? That's absurd to me. I, there's I there's probably a rhyme or reason, but I've tried to look through, I, and it was so I, I, it gets so confusing. I think all collective bargainings can, you have to really try to to get in and figure out to try to understand it. But the NBA is even more so. It's there's a lot of different stuff to it, and I'm not 100. percent That that's why I was saying, John, great question. <laughs> Hopefully, you can find someone smarter than us three to answer it because well, I don't know the exact I, answer. I did try to imagine what the difference would be with a hard cap, and I think that maybe the difference is less super teams. Does that seem like a reasonable? answer to you guys or is that not the case well yeah maybe because if you've got a hundred million dollars right you got a hundred million dollars you can pay period without all this bird rights and the super max and all that you're right so steph curry can only get whatever he can get you know if some team wants to give him 50 percent of their salary cap well i mean they can but they're going to have steph curry and nobody else you know but the nba also wanted to keep steph curry they wanted fans to not only become Steph Curry fans, they wanted him to become Warrior fans. So if Steph Curry stays there for 10 years, yeah, then well, he becomes... Yeah. But that's now blown that up the in their thing. face like LJ saying. I think that's the thing is like you can... I, I think that I don't know the the uh, the weeds part of it, but I know that like if you look at like the two extremes of salary caps where like baseball, there's none and football, there is a very strict salary cap. You see football is just everybody's leaving their team all the time. Like there's so much turnover on teams that it's hard to be a fan of um, say, you know, it's hard to buy a Philip Lindsay Jersey because in three, four years, he might be on another team. Uh, in fact, yeah. it's probably unless they're quarterback, they could, unless they're quarterback, they're probably moving within three or four years. It seems like Whereas baseball players tend to stick around yeah. for a lot longer. Um, but, uh, you know, that, that you don't want it to feel like a, a pay to win sort of thing for the NBA that the richest markets will guaranteed get the next championship. Um, so I think well, maybe that's the reason for it, but I don't understand how it works. Is, is, I where guess, really, where it really bit the NBA in, in the butt, and and the only reason I know this is from doing playing uh, so much 2K and Madden, and <laughs> this is the difference in in and how how it works for the NBA and, and Madden or in NFL is where the NBA if you if you have bird rights, so like if you're the Warriors and you had bird rights on Draymond Green, but you also wanted to get Kevin Durant, so signing either one of them is going to put them over the cap. So what they do, like say like right now we're good, we have cap space. They give that money to Durant first. If they get Durant to sign, then it's good because he came from a different team. He's not bird rights, so they're good. But now they only have like a million dollars left in the cap room. But it's Draymond Green who they have bird rights to. So as long as they sign Draymond Green second, they can go negative. So it just it's in order of who you sign. So you're playing with fire a little bit. But 
Yeah. That's where teams that's where teams like the Warriors ended up making super super teams is where they they learned one they drafted guys on the right deals and, and things just worked out for them but also they manipulated a little bit to where okay well, we'll get our outside so then, free agents and then we'll sign our inside guys because we can go all into So the, does that mean that everybody that's like currently one of the Warrior superstars is going they're going to have bird rights on them for the foreseeable future or like is there or, or is there a reason that this team will eventually uh wither away? I They'll have to get, keep giving all of them super max deals if they want to keep. Because I think that's that that's the the Clay Thompson is up for a super max. The Warriors can give them the super max because they can have they have the bird rights and keep going. But the way the luxury tax works is the for like first time repeaters you get this, repeat offenders you get this, and then the more times you keep doing it, the more the the percentage points go up, and it's like a dollar for every dollar you go over, two dollars for every dollar, and then all of a sudden it's like ten dollars for every dollar, and now. The wars they keep doing this, they're going to go millions upon millions upon millions over the luxury tax and their repeated offenders. So it's they're going to have to owe a lot of money. So then and that money gets I doled out to the rest of the NBA. So the question, I guess, becomes what is the the cost for an owner uh, versus the yeah. benefit of having a 18 year dynasty? You know, and that's why guys maybe would be players. willing to go to a bigger market because maybe, you know, maybe Giannis Milwaukee's not willing to keep doing that because they don't make the same money that the Lakers are making, but the Lakers are like, we'll keep forking out because we're worth $6 billion or whatever mm. they are. So that, mm. and then that kills your small market teams, which then kills fandom in some of these other markets. So I, it's a double-edged sword. Oh, and I, I don't know if the NBA has the right answer. It doesn't seem like they do. Cause I, some of this is good with player movement. Cause it keeps them relevant all the time, but LJ you're onto something. There is some oversaturation with it. It does. It's like, God, this gets old every single yeah. year. Kyrie Irving's either happy or not happy. And yeah. LeBron may or may not leave. Like mm. it's fun for a little bit. And they're, it, this offseason is going to be all over ESPN and Sports Center. It does seem like, for the most part, fans are eating it up and the NBA is doing great. But at some point, when does it? When is enough enough and becomes too much? I, I well, think we might be headed in that direction. The NFL can answer that question. It's I think we might a be. good ten or so years of oversaturation will start <laughs> to push against you. And you know how long has the NFL Network been a thing? It's probably to now. It's probably about how long the NBA has got at this level of saturation of news yeah. coverage. We'll see. We'll see. Yeah, we'll see that. Let's also make sure they can keep uh, make sure the games aren't being fixed because I don't know if yeah. we have that answer yet either. So that it's fun. We'll see what goes on. And again, I'll say to anyone that article, the Tim Donaghy article is really good. We'll post it in the show notes if you want to try to read it. It's a long one. It is a doozy. I'll give you that. But it, oh, it, yeah. it's good. It's worth it. I got started and um, I did not finish. Well, let's go. We haven't done this in a while because LJ wasn't in last week, and I don't know if me and Dad forgot or we were we were trying to hold out for you. I'm not really sure the answer <laughs> there, but it seems like we hadn't done what we're listening to in a little bit. So uh, let's get it back rolling. Pops, what what do you? Been, I, I have a feeling I know who you've been listening to, but uh, what have you been listening to? No, I you know I'm, I know who I'm going to be listening to soon, okay. which is going to be Peter that's Frampton, right, but that's soon, not okay. what I have been listening to. No. Um, interestingly enough, just kind of listened to my playlist. I really got on some Citizen Cope. Uh, okay. I got into yeah. uh, Sideways, you know, the one he does with uh, Santana yeah. and uh, Sun's Gonna Rise. Yeah, just, gonna those rise. are just two of my very favorite songs. Yeah. And they, they re-loop on my playlist a lot. So I don't know. I've kind of been into Citizen Cope lately. That's who I'm into. What about you, El? What have you been listening to? Well, uh, we just opened uh, Macbeth, and the way that we did it was uh, filled with, like, dark hip hop and, uh, and, uh, metal music. So, you know, we used a lot of stuff like, uh, Coheed and Cambria and Lamb of God. I think 
John Payne will probably uh, appreciate that we used Coheed and Cambria. <laughs> um, but the I guess the one that I want on the playlist is uh, Big Sean. I've been listening to a lot of Big Sean, and there's a song Paradise that's just got this like just dark, awesome. Oh, it's a good song. Um, but like yeah. Big Sean, if you don't know Big Sean, he's like the most like normal sounding rapper like he doesn't seem to be the best at any one thing but he is so solid like he's if you're it's like Tycho's my first rapper which sounds like an insult but like he's i i, <laughs> I think he's really great but he's got an so interesting sound and, and and flow like I, I agree i like big sean's sound it's pretty good hmm. well i'm gonna sure. i'm gonna stick with the uh the rap theme and lj i know you'll 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 like this it, finally finally after i think a 10 year anniversary it found its way onto streaming sites drake's so far gone mixtape oh. finally the full the full mixtape is now on yep. spotify and apple music and wherever you get your get your music and man i forgot just how good that freaking mixtape was it is so <laughs> it's good. amazing it's really great hmm. yeah i remember hey, i was listening well, to that in dad's house on monroe all the time Oh, uh, there! I can remember. Oh. I can remember many a many a days where I'm sitting there playing Xbox and LJ's got so far gone playing, and then yep. then we get on the Madden together and LJ beats me, and then I get all pissed off. I mean, there, <laughs> there's 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 those were the there's days. Plenty of days that, and, and, and in the summer where me and LJ are just jamming mm-hmm. to so far gone. Probably playing NCAA, not Madden. I bet it was more NCAA. Yeah, but. yeah I was probably Bowling Green. <laughs> yeah, it, it, yeah. I remember it was fun that, that that came out. Not only was it fun just to listen back to it, but also like a trip down memory lane. It was, it was some good oh, stuff. Yeah. So I was glad to see yeah, it yeah, finally yeah. get on. I, I don't really know why it took so long to get on streaming service. I think it had something to do with getting the rights from all the different producers that helped him on that. Well, and he, well, that and he, he also has a lot of uh, uh, beats that are just total straight rips from other songs. I mean, you, it'd be yeah. hard to even call them samples. Um, so I would imagine that the rights to those songs probably cost, as much as they and LJ, I should have probably, so. I probably should have looked this up, but I can't remember. I know me and you both digged it, but you know the outro on that uh, mixtape with the piano. Yeah, 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 yeah. Do you know yeah. where that piano is from or who I that is? I absolutely do. I absolutely know. Because oh, I listen to this. Please share because that piano is so good. Uh, the guy's name is Chili Gonzalez, and uh, he's got a song called "The Tourist," which is just they stole that song and put it at the end of the mixtape and gave him no credit. So uh, that actually is kind of a funny story. That uh, Chili Gonzalez like obviously felt a little dejected that he had gotten his music. Put that on the playlist, by the way. That's a good one. Um, but uh, All right, I will. But he was uh, he was a bit dejected by uh, by getting his music stolen and put on this huge mixtape that was bigger than anything he's ever put out. And so Drake called him up and uh, like eight years later or something like that to kind of you know I guess kind of apologize. Uh, because, you know, Chili's been putting this in his live show talking about how bad it felt to get ripped off by Drake. And uh, and he ended up playing piano in Marvin's room. So, you know, it kind of worked out for him in the end. Oh, he's the he's the yeah. pia- the the OK, because, yeah. man, that outro, it comes on and it, he's he's right. Drake totally just put someone else's piano for the outro. And it is beautiful. Yeah. It sounds yeah. amazing and it it's good music. That's cool yeah. to know that they ended up getting I think I knew me and you had talked about that before. I didn't know for sure if you had an answer. And of course LJ's just rattles off the answer right there. Oh, Chili Gonzalez, actually. Yep. You know? I just made that all up. It, none of it's true. <laughs> yeah. That's the thing. We wouldn't know, Kevin, but somebody might. <laughs> no, no, no. Uh, actually, yeah. just to just to confirm it, I'll put like the he wrote this article about his experience with Drake, and I think that's worth reading. So we'll put that on the show notes too. Cool. I'm uh, glad I'm cool. glad I asked the question. Cool. That was that was a cool yeah, little yeah. story time. Me too. Story yeah. time with L. Me too. 
All right, well, that will do it for another week of the JPP Podcast. We appreciate everyone giving us a listen and continuing to listen with us if you have been. Uh, make sure, mm-hmm. if you haven't already, hit us up, subscribe to us on the Apple Podcast or Spotify or wherever you get hey, your Google, podcast Hey, Google, subscribe at. to Just Press Play. <laughs> yeah, and, and, you know, leave us a review if, you, if you're feeling a little uh, froggish, you know, and uh, find us on Facebook or Twitter. <laughs> we got our website at jpppod.com. Uh, we'll, we'll keep on putting some good stuff out. So well, uh, if you have, if you have questions or thoughts about our show, like we try to, we try to respond. I mean, we do a poor job, but like John Payne asked that question. I think this was a pretty good segment. So feel free to always yeah, ask we don't, us if you, we don't only answer Dr. Payne, we, but, but anybody <laughs> who, who has a question for us, we will give you, we will, oh, I won't say we'll have the answer for you, but we will, uh, attempt. We'll, we'll attempt. attempt we'll it. attempt. We'll damn sure try to look it up. <laughs> and that's the best we can do. And that's the best we can do. All right. Well, that'll do it for another week, guys. I will talk to you later. Peace out. Peace. Peace.